Hello, and welcome back to They Slayed Another One, where each week we discuss an all-forgotten installment in a franchise. Batman. <laughs> R.L. Stein? I asked how to do it, and you guys said it was that, and I'm trying to do it. Keep going. It's Xavier. <laughs> it is just Batman. <laughs> so you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. Fuck you, Amanda. And with me, I've got Liam. Epic bad luck. <laughs> and Mitch. Where is she? Where's Rachel? <laughs> oh, wrong wrong movie. Who's so Rachel? That's Batman. Um, oh, <laughs> fuck you. Uh, Christ, what's the... Well, oh, um, everyone deserves a chance. Oh, I've got one more, actually. Can I say one more? Yeah. Fuck you, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I attempted to do jig, funny jigsaw voice. Mixed results, it might be said. Um, mixed which part of that do you think was on the positive side <laughs> I liked it <laughs> I I asked how to do I heard Mitch do it I asked how to do it I was told I my thought process was correct and then I did it Corey, <laughs> then we didn't let you get away with it Corey's jigsaw voice has 33.3% on Rotten Tomatoes well how would you do it then you fucking smart ass those who can't no to not <laughs> And make fun of those foolish enough to try. <laughs> when they also can't. This is what happens when you find out that your arms are in fact not long enough to box with God. Everybody laughs at you. Um, We took a field trip the other day. Mitch, Liam, me, Brianna. To the, to the hallowed halls of the South Keys Cineplex. Which, uh, frankly, are absolutely busted nowadays. It's a pretty rundown theater as far as theaters go in this city. Yeah, we, we got out of the movie at about 9 p.m. and it looked like the whole theater was shut down. Ghost town. And there are 10 p.m. screenings. Yeah. But stuff was like uh, roped off. and Not yeah. a soul in the arcade. I had the that, arcade was roped off. I had that happen. Um, oh, gosh. I saw Bones and All there. And the sound cut out halfway through the movie, and it wasn't particularly late at night. And I had to go try to find an employee to be like, hey, the movie's not working. And it was the same thing. Fucking ghost town in there. Could not find somebody. I had to go sit back and just like watch the movie with broken sound for like five minutes and then come back out and be like, hey, it still isn't, it still isn't working. And like just nobody was there. So I think it's like maybe sort of a ghost ship situation like. Most cinemas are now, right? Like, you just think of how they've, like, cut away, like, the food courts. Everything's all automated I now. don't think so. I would... No, I, I don't, th- I think I don't a, agree with that. I think a lot of the big cineplexes... Well, compared to maybe, like, a decade ago, yeah, they've definitely got right, a lot like, of their stuff. but, like, they've got people in them. Like, I, I cannot name another theater in the city where I go, and it seems like there it is bereft of employees. I mean, that place is downright, like, desolate after a certain hour, but I think the idea of... of Cinemas becoming like more and more like skeleton crews over the years is is definitely accurate. Right, but I but that place is a, is a but, well, is yeah, an extreme I mean example. Is I've never like not seen a person. Yeah, you can leave South Keys and not see a human soul. It's it's a ghost town. It's yeah. like you're gonna see some tumbleweeds and hear the wind. Like yeah, which is kind of cool if the movie plays with proper sound. You just get to it have a nice cool. solitary screening. Yeah, I, well, and I was in that theater by myself actually because nobody go. else was there. Yeah. And which I guess is what being by yourself is. And um, it would have been nice, certainly. And for about half the movie, it was because that movie's pretty good. 
I was having a great time. Uh, but this time around, we didn't have any sound problems. We had a small other crowd with us, and we took a field trip to go see our good personal friend, uh, Billy the Saw Man, Jigsaw, in the new hit film Socks. 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 Um, this month is loaded with new releases in long-running franchises. Yeah, so this was the first one that we were going to get to uh, through the rest of the month. We've got a few other good options coming our way for updated franchises. But I think Saw is a bit unique in that this is a series that, like, emerged and churned out a ton of sequels, like, entirely in our, like, movie-going lifetimes, which is kind of neat. I feel like a lot of the big, like, very frequently lauded and oft-discussed franchises started like long before we were born or at least slightly before we were born <laughs> right like the screams halloween never on elm street friday the 13th things of this nature even the exorcist now is the exorcist yeah uh i mean we've certainly had a few um since we were like adolescents and stuff like we've talked about our insidiouses and our uh Paranormal, activity. Paranormal activities and whatnot. But Saw, there's fucking 10 of these things. And the first one came out in what, like 2003? 2004. 2004, good year. Um, and uh, it's never really been fully dormant, like our whole life. Every few years, some kind of Saw thing was coming out, which is, I think, really interesting. I, however have relatively limited saw experience. So what I'm going to do instead is throw the question out of whoever wants to jump on it. Who was having like a big saw experience over the years? Like, have you guys been keeping up? I certainly haven't. I've only seen one of the other ones and it's the first one and I saw it years ago. So I'm not really qualified to speak about it, but I know that Liam is. Okay. So we've got two wildly uneducated saw viewers. Yeah. And and Liam. Yeah. Um, I can't bring the perspective of having adamantly followed along with these movies as they came out, which is a bit of a shame. Um, my Saw experience is, I, I remember the first one coming out, um, and watching it on TV with my parents, uh, probably right around the time it it first went to TV, so like 2005 or something. And then by the time Saw 2 came out, it was already such a a massive um, marketing thing because the first one had been so big. So I can remember like seeing the Saw 2 posters in in the the video store and looking at that cover and the, the dismembered fingers and thinking that it looked so cool. And I caught Saw 2 on TV around that time but i um i never caught any of them in the theater and by the time they were doing saw three and four i wasn't i wasn't following along with them um it wasn't until uh i kind of i kind of stopped even paying attention to them until the last one came out um the last of the main franchise which was saw seven so not like the chris rock not movie. the Chris Rock one, because before that, Saw 7 was marketed as the final chapter. Famous last words. Yeah. Saw franchise developers. So when that happened, I was uh, I was able to think back and be like, oh yeah, I guess these movies have been coming out for a, a, 
a good long while. Um, I like those first couple, but uh, I, you know, five movies later, I thought that I certainly wasn't equipped to see go see the seventh one in the theater. Even though at that point I was seeing most movies in the theater, certainly most most horror movies. Um, so it wasn't until a few years ago that I finally said, you know what, I should catch up with all these movies. I know I like the the first couple. And so I did, and uh, I think that the first movie is incredible. I don't know what y- if you remember feeling any sort of way. It's quite about good, it, Mitch. Yeah, it's good. I, I just, I never got into the franchise really. I, I saw the first one years ago at like a sleepover or something, and um, and I think we wanted to watch it because we were looking. We're like, oh yeah, like that's the the franchise where everybody dies horrible deaths. Like we're gonna watch that because I feel like growing up in the shadow of Saw, there was always this mystique about it. And every time that a new Saw movie came out, at least at least in like those earlier days, and I think I remember like reading the press about Saw Seven too. Um, but uh, you know, it always got press that was talking about violence in movies and. Um, you know everything that comes with that that conversation about like video nasties and if there's a market for this kind of thing or who is this for exactly and what's the appeal of something so grotesque and uh, so I feel like we were just caught up in the wave of that press and drawn to the movie when we were just (laughs) young young fellows looking for something to watch and um, I never sought out another one um, not because I didn't think it was good, but just because I never really thought it was the franchise for me. Um, it's always been a bit extreme, but I like extreme movies and movies that are violent. But I don't always seek seek out something of of Saw's nature. Yeah, the franchise does have a very distinct feel to it, and so if it's not someone's thing, um, I can I can totally understand avoiding it. Though I think what's notable is that that first movie even though it is it is still a hard R, um, it's not until the second movie where the franchise really starts embodying the things that would be attributed to it, which is like very elaborate traps uh, with a, a cast of an ensemble who, who gets killed in those traps in elaborate, uh, slow ways. Like the, the torture porn. The torture angle. porn type of thing that, that it would have beckoned in with Hostel. The first one reads a lot like a thriller almost. It is. It's yeah. a thriller. It's like a crime pr- procedural. Um, I guess that explains the tone of the Chris Rock one because I never understood the pivot because I hadn't seen Saw. So I was like, why are they doing a fucking detective movie with <laughs> with Jigsaw? I was like, what are they doing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Every single Saw movie is strong on the the law enforcement, like okay. the, the cop crime angle. They're pro cop, um, but the but the first <laughs> one, uh, the first one is, is has a whole lot of that, um, and it is just a really great great thriller movie. An amazing. Is it like in the vein of like Seven? Yes. Okay. I actually haven't seen Seven, but I guarantee you yeah. it is in that vein. I think okay. that I think that it's definitely that's a good comparison yeah. to make for sure. Incredible pull by me, guy who has seen Seven once and has not seen Saw to yeah. put that together. <laughs> no, I am certain that it was inspired by Seven from what I've what I've heard about that movie, and it's it, yeah, it has a great twist. Um, 
mind blowing, mind blowing twist. Great script writing. The twist really that Billy the puppet <laughs> exists, no. and he can talk and walk around. Sorry. Um, and and then so I watched all the movies in a in a sort of marathon a few years ago. And what's really remarkable about the movies is how how linear the story is. Like it is. It's not like a Friday the 13th or a paranormal... Act- well, actually, paranormal activity is pretty It's like linear. episodic almost. It's like, here's the latest update in the... In yes. The it's kind of like a TV narrative. show. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. And it'll You're have... You're making this sound way more interesting than I ever thought it was just like looking at it. I think it is but more interesting than most people think But I think that was its reputation it doing itself a disservice. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I think I was very... Sus- and I don't mean to derail your point. I'm going to... We'll get back to that in a second. But um, I was very susceptible to the whole... As somebody who wasn't watching horror films at the time and was also young, it was just talked about as like, it's the gross torture porn thing where it's just gory and violent and that's all it is and it's just like gross fucked up shit. And I was like, well, I don't need that. And I just like ignored it completely because that's just not the kind of thing I was watching at that point. And I feel like even though I I know now that it's better liked and perhaps a little bit more respected than that would imply, I, I don't think I understand the degree to which like and I'm loath to use this phrase, but it's the phrase that popped into my head, that they are real movies, if you get what I mean. Like, I don't... That they're serious. Yeah, like, yeah. I couldn't think of a better phrase, but, like, that's that's what I mean. So, like, that's interesting to hear. Yeah, the first one plays out like a pretty serious drama. Like, it um, definitely takes itself more seriously than you'd think it would, based on, like, previous franchise installments and, you know, montages on YouTube. Of, yeah, you know, guns people, firing into people's eyes and bear traps. And yeah, the the reputation is probably not helping it much. Yeah. Um, and I I really like the Saw movies. Um, but at this point, having seen most of them just once, except for those first couple, uh, a lot of them blend together in my head because they all have a vi- to me a very um singular visual identity where uh, fluorescent lighting dark dark Flu- warehouse dark warehouse like fluorescent lighting a lot of like new metal type quick edits um new metal is a fascinating way to describe an <laughs> editing style but i know exactly makes sense. i know exactly what you mean yeah <laughs> it was like a corn music video um and you know i'm sure like there are people that would say that about franchises i love and it's just like familiarity means that you can uh, more easily pick stuff out and I'm not there with the Saw movies yet um, and they also just don't have the uh, specific appeal to me I guess those things we're describing just aren't typically the kind of movies I I gravitate towards um, maybe something about like the, cr- the crime procedural nature of it I'm not super into or the fact that they are uh, so um they're very intense and and very serious and and sometimes I'm just looking for like a bit more fun I think. Yeah. Was this so I guess two questions then. They're not really trying to make you have fun despite seemingly being goofy by way of putting a bear trap in a guy's head or something. I think does the does the aware the that tonal awareness just like grow with time which is I guess what you would expect it to do like they start doing goofier kind of stuff or i think so and you know you got to keep in mind that these um i don't think these movies are as bad as the reputation makes them seem because at the end of the day they are mainstream 
wide theatrically released horror movies right you know so they've got to they've got to have stuff that audiences can latch on to characters and a story that you can follow and there's got these traps have to have this quality of i'm having fun like watching spectacle yeah so I think, I think they do have that but i at the core of it i mean i think that the, the stories that they're telling are uh very serious and and downbeat um and so it's kind of amazing that they've uh managed to to be so successful as uh you know they were just pumping these things out one year after another um and, and teenagers would just go out to see them which is really cool to me um if I had been a bit older, I think I think I would have been in that crowd. And was this pre or post hostel? The first saw was pre hostel, and then by the time the second came out, they were going at the same time. So the sequels were probably a little bit hostile inspired. I would then. Th- I would say so because yeah. I guess that would explain the discrepancy between the approach that you're describing of the first one and where they kind of go a little bit. That makes sense. Yeah, it was weird how like that style was the zeitgeist for a bit which is like grimy kind of gross like very violent yeah yeah we, i mean we've done some of them hills have eyes texas chainsaw 2003 which actually predated saw but uh has a lot of the same qualities thing. i mean i think it's got a part of it has to i think has to do with like post 911 like people were just so pessimistic yeah, that well, because that moment, that cultural moment where all these movies are coming out was like where the bubble burst on like the tail end of like the bubblegum '90s of like everything is like sunshine and rainbows and optimistic and bright colors, and like it was such a hard pivot toward like um, I I can't believe somebody on this podcast is going to bring up 9/11 without it being a joke because that's usually what we do, but like after that, um. It was such a weird drop down to reality, at least for, like, the West in terms of how it viewed itself. So then all the pop culture, like, that's what you get, like, 24 out of yeah. 24. One of the most, like, psychotically themed television shows of just being so grim and, like, just taking the Kiefer Sutherland character of, like, this, like, paragon of the ideal of American justice who at every turn is, like, betrayed and harmed and violently maimed and forced to go through like absolutely terrible shit. Um, and it feels like everything sort of followed that into the early two thousands of just everything is, everything is fucked. Everybody sucks. But like <laughs> what, what year was the last house? Like, 2000, 2009. <laughs> okay. So it's what, late, but I think that's, that's, it was still going. Yeah. I'd say that style was still going until that time. And right around that is when it ended. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah. But it just, it is a very distinct moment to look back at now. Like all of the pieces are there. And you know, I did just make that song joke, but like new metal, I think is very much part of that too. Cause it was very like abrasive, in sort of like uh it was like hedonistic without any of the fun like which i think is an interesting (laughs) i mean limp biscuit is pretty fun (laughs) well yeah uh, yeah but like i guess you get what i'm describing though is maybe not strictly limp biscuit but it was very like serious and like ah. but um yeah man it's a 
this is genuinely me like sitting and just like critically thinking about the Saw franchise for the first time, and there's like actually a lot here, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I would love if you even guys just purely conceptually. Check them out. Yeah, um, it's October. I mean, I got time. Yeah, Get a couple it, saws in there. It used to be every Saw movie would come out in October. Um, this one came out in late September, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah technically, yeah, close enough. Mm. Which I think is 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 a good, is a better move, you know. Yeah. If once, you you once. release horror movies late October, people feel like they have a week to see them, and then they're not going to go anymore. Yeah, and I feel like by late September, you're kind of already in that spooky vibe. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite saw? It would be the first one. Do um, you have a favorite saw kill? Oh, see, that's that's tough. There are so. They're, they kill so many people in these fucking movies, man. Um, one that always stuck with me, and it's from the first two, so maybe it's just because I've I've seen it more often. Um, but even as a kid, I, I was seeing it the first time, it stuck with me. It's in the second movie. There's a pit of needles, and a woman falls into the needle pit. It's actually the woman from this movie, Amanda. Okay. She gets pushed into that needle pit, and she has to crawl around looking for something in the needle pit, and all these needles are sticking like out of her arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, syringes like infected with shit. I, I have an important question: Was she put in that pit? Cause she was like a drug addict. Yes. Is that why she's so sympathetic to the drug addict in this movie? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm yeah. like that explains a lot of that because I'm like that had to be coming from somewhere, but uh, that sounds horrible. That does not sound pleasant to watch at all. That one, uh, uh, that one always got to me just because I can really imagine the feeling. Whereas some saw traps, um, they are so so big and outlandish like, that I'm I've in awe at the spectacle. But I've never had my eyes yeah. pulled out by a pneumatic tube. But, but I have. But <laughs> yeah, I ha- we'll need to talk about that one. Yeah. But I have gotten a needle. Yeah. And just picturing like over and over and over, and like it's all yeah, it's all fucked up. Yeah. And grody. Um, I don't know many kills of but I feel like they had fairly iconic posters. Great posters. Yeah. yeah. Memorable. See, I've never seen the second one, but I can remember kids talking about the needle bit. Sure. And yeah. school, like schoolyard banter, stuff like that. Bro, if you don't back off, I'm going to push you in the needle pit. Yo, I can't. I, my, my dad let me watch the Saw movie, and there's this one part where there's a girl swims through a thing of needles. and Yeah. An- another amazing uh it's not a kill but it's a scene that really stuck with me and this is just from one of the saw movies i saw a few years ago in saw three there's a brain surgery scene another one. Oh yeah another one another but one? this one dude this one is so like, intensive and it feels so real and gross it's like the one in this movie but like times five jigsaw's playing the hits he's like we're gonna do another brain surgery oh yeah um, yeah that one is what, did they do saw 3d like was it a 3d movie that or? was that was the seventh the last one the final chapter so, saw 7 3d the final chapter wow they really laid it on thick huh <laughs> me and my friends would joke about that in high school i don't know if it was ever officially called saw 7 3d the final chapter but that's what it was Sovin 3D the final chapter. Um Yeah, so we went to the went to the movies, went to the pictures. Cinema. The Cinema. Um to check this out. And it was my first one, Mitch's second. How many Brianna seen? None. None. So you really just brought like a a team of novices. Yeah, it was fun watching you guys <laughs> react to it. 
and I'm really excited to hear what you guys think. I mean, despite the fact that we all saw it together, we haven't talked about how we felt about it. Um, no, we kept it chill. I, I, I asked no a handful of small contextual questions after the movie just to make sure I understood what I saw, but that was it. Like yes. I asked a couple, like, who's who? Because it was, like, what clearly they were calling back to people. Yeah, maybe you can... If you can remember, try to bring those up as we're talking. Yeah, and ask well, the first again. one is just, I. it seemed very obvious that Amanda was from a previous movie. Yes. I didn't know to what extent. Obviously, she's been around a long time. Yeah, she's actually even in the first movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she's been in, like, all of them? No. Pretty much? Because eventually she gets got. Okay. But then the, the Saw franchise is very interesting, the way they play with timelines. There's, like, this isn't the first time they've gone back in the timeline. Okay. Uh, so characters will show up again, or at the very least, they'll be referenced again. So I don't know the exact count of movies she's been in, but yeah. it's and quite then, a Is few. it too much of a spoiler? And I'm saying this so if somebody wants to hit the 15 second ahead button, they can. To say For this like, movie? Yeah. To say, but no, but to say that there's a guy at the end that clearly is from an earlier movie that they like. The, yeah. The mid credits guy. Yeah. Is like. Spoilers if you don't know who that is, just skip ahead like 30 seconds. But. Yeah, so that guy, his name is Hoffman, and he sort of becomes the, the new Jigsaw uh, about halfway Jigsaw? through the franchise. I mean. The Jigsaw character, he is in almost all of them, except for uh, this last Chris Rock one. So he doesn't completely get replaced. But in Saw 3, they kill Jigsaw. Like they and killed the old man? Yes. And so ever since then, Jigsaw's I, I think they've guy. sort of... No, not exactly. Because they've done prequels. Right. And they've also done flashbacks. But they've written themselves into a corner, which is now why they've made a movie that takes place between one and two. Because they killed him so early. They, they killed him, I think, earlier than they would have in retrospect. And so this Hoffman guy uh, becomes one of his apprentices. He kind of fulfills the Amanda role. Okay. Um, and becomes your main bad guy who's given a lot of attention, but Jigsaw is still around while he's around. Okay. So they're both sort of the... The joke I'm going to keep making is they're both the Corey from Halloween Ends. Yeah, which is why at the end of, at the end of this movie, in the mid credit scene, you see him um, tying up tying up Gahari. a dude from earlier in the movie because Hoffman and Jigsaw still exist at the same time. They're yeah. in cahoots, yeah. And we, I guess, we and then he says well, like the funniest line is like, "Of all the people you were going to double cross, you did it to John Kramer." <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then what, I don't remember the setup for what my opening line was, but someone just like he's he says. He gets set up somehow, and so then the, then Hoffman goes, epic bad luck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that should have been my quote. Um, I, so I guess we should say off the bat that we'll spoil this movie. We're spoiling the shit out of this movie. it's new. Yeah. It's new, so in we're, case... Also, we're going to do that all month. Uh, so VHS uh, 85? I think so. I said 95 last week. No, we is, already did 95. Yeah, that is incorrect. VHS 85 and The Exorcist Believer. Yeah, will also be spoiled on this podcast. Or was it ninety four yeah. that we did? It doesn't matter. Ninety four, and then there's ninety nine. We it was ninety four. Ninety nine. It was ninety four. Uh, shall we cast and crew? Yeah, sure. The director is. Oh, jeez, I don't know. Yeah, I have to say. Just go for it. Yeah, I think it's pronounced Kevin. Yeah, absolutely, it is Kevin Gruter, or maybe like Grutert, but it's probably Gruter. Gruterte. He has directed and edited several other Saw movies. So he's like a, a known quantity. 
they he, keep it in the family. He saws James Wan. Yeah. In in these Saw movies, it's very interesting. Like the the dude who then went on to direct Saw two, three, and four. Um, he he directed all three of those, and then you'll have someone who will go from like being assistant director to then they become the director so it's very cool yeah well in this case we have he directed saws i see so saw six and then saw 3d which is saw seven i've caught up now. yeah the um, final chapter but also he was the editor of saw four and saw five there you go and also jigsaw so the two movies before and then one movie after oh that's movies. interesting that he edited the one after he stopped directing yeah that's cool um he also directed the strangers and uh yeah I don't think that's true. It's on, it's on IMDb. Hmm. I can he, double he check. He might have do done something do else. Do you want me to strangers? double check right now? Yeah, sure. Because I believe the director of the Strangers is Brian Bertino. Well, I'm. I, he edited the Strangers. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. okay. No, he, yeah, I understand. And I should say he also edited Saw X. The director edited the movie. Oh, cool. Um. Also, now is my point to say that. Uh, a coworker said the other day that I should go watch The Strangers, which you have also said. And uh, then Mitch and I ended up watching The Mutilator instead. And I told him that today. And he was like genuinely upset that I didn't go home and like watch The Strangers right away. But was it on Shudder though? I don't, I don't have Shudder anymore. I don't think it I'm was on Shudder. I'm trying to save money. But has your coworker seen The Mutilator is the question. It doesn't sound like it. He's he not in a place to criticize <laughs> then. Uh... This movie is written by the writing duo of Pete Goldfinger and Josh Stolberg. Do you expect me to talk, Pete? What? Goldfinger. Oh, I haven't seen it. No. I've seen Goldmember. I just sound like a boomer now. <laughs> you are a boomer. We're yeah, watching dude. Bullet on Laserdisc. <laughs> Bro, if that's the thing that makes you worried, you sound like a boomer. <laughs> Newsflash! You shoot medium format film. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> we did Magnificent Obsession on this podcast. Well, hold on. Let's not get carried away. Wow. <laughs> um, so these two guys, we know them from this podcast. Do you guys remember their names? Pete Goldfinger, Josh Stolberg. Yes. Ready? I'm yes. going to do it. Sorority Row. <laughs> yeah! Finally, we got one of those deep pulls. Um. My good personal friends, the guys that wrote Sorority Row. <laughs> nice. Um, great movie. Yeah. I, I would say. Yeah. Not good, good enough to be your number one of uh, the year, but nope, pretty good. But it was close. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that it was, all things considered. It was in the top ten, wasn't it? It was in the top ten. What more do you need? Um, Piranha 3D, Piranha 3 Double D. Oh, we got to hit that at some point. Jigsaw. Spiral from the Book of Saw, which is the... Also, I didn't need to say nonsense title. What the fuck does that mean? Spiral from the Book of Saw. What is, what's the Book of Saw? It means that, and I should say that's the only one I haven't seen. Okay. Haven't seen that one. Wow. Uh, but I do know that it doesn't have uh, Tobin Bell in it who plays Jigsaw. It's not the Jigsaw Killer. It's simply a movie that takes place within that same universe. Like, there's a copycat Jigsaw Killer. So, I believe... A spiral from, killer. Some, so, what from the Book of Saw means is that this is just, like, from a spin-off the in the same universe. Just a clunky phrase, I feel like. Yeah. It's like a biblical... It's a very, like, weird thing to invoke. And now, um, from the Book of Saw. They also did a movie called Kappa Kappa Die, which is a fun name for your movie to have. Better than the... Book saw title. 
<laughs> wow, good one, dude. Got him. Uh, this movie is edited by Kevin Gluter, the director. Uh, the cinematography is by Nick Matthews, who did Mobland and um, a movie called Cuck. Whoa. And a movie called Betch. Like, not bitch. It's Betch. How does um, this guy pick these roles? So <laughs> these movies. Amazing. Uh, the music is by... <laughs> Betch <Chuck> and Cuck. <laughs> you fucking Betch Cuck, dude. Um... <laughs> I like that quiet dude you tagged it with. <laughs> it's the, it's the same tone as saying like you fucking dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking betch cuck dumbass. I'm gonna fucking dunk your head in the toilet. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Charlie Closer did the music. He did most of the Saw, if not all of the Saw franchise. Wow, including the iconic. Saw music. Yeah. Um, it is iconic. And then a real sort of mishmash of stuff. Mitch, you don't need the hat. <laughs> it's like babysitting. <laughs> um, Resident Evil Extinction. Dead Silence. Uh, the Stepfather. The TV show Numbers. <laughs> he also is credited on a few Saw fan films. And I don't know if that's because they used the theme or because he actually made music for them. That wasn't super clear to me. I also, did you know there's several unauthorized Saw fan films? I didn't know, but not surprising. Yeah. That's how you know he made it. Uh, also, he did the... He's done a fucking ton of American Horror Story. Interesting. Which which season? Like 112 episodes of it. So, maybe like, but all like, of them. I saw, I guess that's like a most lot of, of it. Most of it, if not yeah. all of it. I've never seen it. Yeah. So you like know. that show, Mitch? I did. I haven't you seen it. I haven't it. seen it in years. When did you stop? Carnival or whatever? Uh, hotel. Spookums. <laughs> What's the best one? Asylum. Asylum. Is that like the first one? That's the second one. What's the first one? Murder House. Murder House. Yeah. Is that what it's actually called? I think that's what it's called. Bro. <laughs> I would like to watch that show. It's good. You would fucking like it. American Horror Story Spooky Farm. You <laughs> fucking dumb. Uh. We got Tobin Bell as John Kramer, a.k.a. Jigsaw. Um, he's got quite a few credits that are not the Saw films. You wouldn't know it. by His, his reputation's mostly Saw, but I'd like to give the man some credit. Um, including Tootsie. Okay. And Goodfellas. Okay. And Seinfeld. And Unabomber, The True Story. Best of the Best Four Without Warning. The Road to El Dorado. Black Mask 2, City of Masks, Boogeyman 3, <laughs> Manson Family Vacation, and The Old Man in the Pond. Manson Family Vacation. That's correct. That sounds like a comedic road trip <laughs> retelling of the Manson murders. It probably is. Wow. And uh, he, play, he plays Jigsaw in all those movies. He does. He plays Billy the Puppet in all those movies. I can't believe Billy the Puppet's not Jigsaw. That was like a... That like shut my reality down. For I a know, minute. yeah. Discovering that th- yeah. it's just sort of a random toy that he has. It was fun telling you that after the movie. That's like, like that's the Frankenstein's monster of the modern age. Yes. So I had to ask quickly. Now I'm just gonna ask now. What is the d- significance of the puppet then? It's just a. It's pure symbol. It's just a creepy symbol. Um, they, they're like, we need a scary guy. 
Yeah, he'll ride his bike, as you saw it's in this movie. Tricycle. Let's not give him too much credit. <laughs> um, he'll also often appear on TV, on a TV, yes, a creepy that, TV, and his, his mouth will be moving. Yeah, but yeah, it's just, it's just a, he's just a vessel. <laughs> Which is a great idea. I mean, it's it fun. worked, right? Like you, you knew that image. I did. Um, I was also familiar with this actor's name, despite not really knowing their deal. Uh, Shawnee Smith, who plays Amanda. Who, of course, we know from the Blob. Oh yeah, um, Blobby, and uh, also a series of other things, including the Shining TV series, Annie, Anger Management, The Grudge Three, and the video game Lollipop Chainsaw. Are you familiar with Lollipop Chainsaw? I've no. seen promotional I'm, material for it, and uh, it looks kind of fucked. I'm going to tell you guys one thing about Lollipop Chainsaw, and then I'm not going to elaborate. The protagonist of that game is a girl in a cheerleading outfit. Wielding a chainsaw with her boyfriend's conscious, decapitated head attached to her hip. Whoa. That I mean, sounds awesome. You're not telling me anything I don't already know. Well, yeah, but he didn't. New to uh. me. Is this a new game? No. It's uh. from like 2005. Mm-hmm. It's like PS2. But there's been player. other installations since, right? Maybe one, but I, right. not much. It was not like... It, it was a hit, I think, like stylistically, but not like right. pure game-wise. Yeah. It does sound kind of PS2 Corey to me. It yeah. sounds like uh, Stubbs the Zombie or like Voodoo Vince. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna take this opportunity to just. I know we don't we don't do visual visual gags much, but I just think it would be it would be instructive for Liam to see. Speaking of of chainsaws, Liam, you're wrong for liking the Mutilator. <laughs> Xbox 360, so PS3. Okay, yeah, that's like oh. the, that's the period I associate it from. Cool. I would watch a, a movie about that. That's a cool image. Won't play a video game, though. That shit's for nerds. I take your critique of the mutilator, Mitch, and uh, I take it to heart. I'm very disappointed. I'm excited to talk about this more when the mutilator sequel comes out, because it's going to hit soon, and we can revisit this. I will bring over the Mutilator Blu-ray to your house, and I'll show you a good time with the Mutilator. It, you just did it wrong. It's That's more like problem. it's more like the Mutilator, bro. That's enough of that. Let me get through this. Uh, Anyone who's seen the Mutilator, please back me up. These uh, guys both don't like it. It's like a B minus. No, really quick. I'm gonna take a guess on how to say this woman's name because I believe it is Swedish, and I don't know how to say it. I'm gonna take like the the sort of Irish Sersha Ronan kind of approach. And assume that this might be said Shinov, because I don't understand how to say it any other way. It is S-Y-N-N-O with the line through it, V-E. Oh, shit. Not the O with the line through it. Don't even know what it's called. Never mind how it's pronounced. I know the, I know the one. <laughs> we all do. Um, so, Shinov McCody Lund plays uh, Cecilia Peterson who is in a movie called Ragnarok, not to be confused with Thor Ragnarok, just regular Ragnarok, um, as well as The Girl in the Spider's Web, which uh, I... Th- is it the Rooney Mara one, or is that the other actor who did that? I What's don't her remember. Name? Fuck, I remember other- hearing about that Claire one. Claire Foy did yeah. the other one, which is weird. That's like a very... That's a huge casting leap, I feel like. But, you know, what do I know? Um, Steven Brand plays Parker Sears, uh, the Teen Wolf TV show, the the Scorpion King, the the recent video game Immortals of Avium, 
Vikings Valhalla, Call of Duty Vanguard, Hellraiser Revelations, Star Wars The Old Republic, Triassic Attack, and Helsing. Damn. Dude gets around. Uh, Renata Vaca plays Gabriella. She's on a show on Mexican Netflix right now that appears to be like Fast and the Furious core called Pedal to Metal. <laughs> Not to the metal. Pedal to Metal. Uh, Joshua Okamoto plays Diego. He was in something called Sex, Shame, and Tears 2. So I don't, I don't want to watch We're that. truly never going to run out of sequels. Uh, Control Z. Or Zed. I would say Zed, but I think Control-Z sounds more natural than Control-Z does. But I'm typically a Zed-sayer. So am I. And also Narcos Mexico. Uh, Paulette Hernandez. Or pardon me, I skipped a name. Octavio Hinojosa plays Mateo, who was also on Narcos Mexico. And then a few uh, Spanish language things that I don't really know how to say these, so I'm not going to embarrass myself. I've decided against embarrassing myself today. Uh, immediately after I did the Batman voice. That's when I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, Paulette Hernandez plays Valentina. Uh, she's in a movie with a great title. Uh, My Demons Never Swore Solitude. Just a fun string of words. From the Book of Saw. From the Book of <laughs> Saw, dude. Fuck. 3D, the final chapter. Uh... Jorge Briseño plays Carlos. Uh, Costas Mandalore plays Mark Hoffman. Th- his character name should have been fucking Costas Mandalore. What an incredible that name. Sounds like a Star Wars bounty hunter. Um, he's in other Saw movies and also uh, Borrowed Time 3, Cosmic Sin, Disaster Zone, Volcano in New York, Dr. Chopper, Secret Agent Man. Uh, the Fist of the North Star English dub, and also the funniest name a TV show has ever had, which I'm about to read to you now. NCIS Naval Criminal Investigative Service. Oh, dude, they're going to investigate your naval. <laughs> it's fucking sailor crime on the boat show. Wow. Um, Michael Beach plays Henry Kessler. He was in a Aquaman, Dahmer, Tulsa King, Soul Food, The 100, If Beale Street Could Talk, Insidious Chapter 2, Patriot's Day, Deep Blue Sea 2, a couple episodes of Chicago PD, and uh, the guy at the beginning who almost gets his eyes vacuum tubed but doesn't, his name is uh, Isan Byomhun Lee, and then we've got David Alfano, Katie Barbary, and... Uh, Donna Gordon. That's everybody. So, this movie is about John Kramer, a guy with terminal brain cancer. And with a code to live by. Yeah, but that doesn't really factor into the beginning of the movie at all. It's mostly just about a guy living with brain cancer. And he is going to support groups. And he's, like, trying to arrange his last will and testament because he's running up against sort of what he sort of views as like an unhelpful medical system that's just sort of saying like, sorry, bruh, it's terminal and we can't really do anything. We just try to make it easier. And he's a little bit frustrated by 
essentially being advised by medical professionals to lay down and take it. And by it, I mean dying. Um, he catches wind of a experimental cancer-curing medical procedure uh, done by a roving band of anti-big pharma, like, pirate surgeons, essentially, who uh, have more or less cured cancer and a variety of other ailments. And he signs up to get a new lease on life by going to Mexico and getting this treatment. He goes to the most aggressively color-graded yellow Mexico anyone has ever seen in any movie, uh, to the point where it feels racist to even have done it that way. And it looks like somebody pissed over the lens. Like, dude, it is like embarrassing. It's bad. Like, and I know these movies are very like stylistically and aggressively color graded, but like when there is already a running theme that lots of Western directors take like basically anything south of the United States and just turn it brown or yellow. Like, maybe just don't do that. But um, he goes to this estate in Mexico and is brought in for this procedure which he later discovers they did not actually perform and so there's been an elaborate network of people just like ripping off folks who were about to die out of like hundreds of thousands of dollars at a time he got Dennis the Menace striked again he got Dennis the Menace strikes again um, this prompts him to go what they call in the business jigsaw mode. Dennis did the same thing. Yeah, he decides to become a menace. He goes Dennis mode. He decides uh, to strike again. He strikes again. And he brings in his associates, or I guess associates singular. He brings in Amanda. And they round up all the people along this process who have given him false hope and unfair promise in the last days of his life. And uh, they get jigsawed. We're going to get jiggy with it. They get jiggy Amanda, with we're getting the band back together. <laughs> they get jiggy with it. Up until the point where uh, a bit of a curveball pops up and they have to they have to problem solve. Jigsaw gets jigsawed for a little bit. Uh, a little boy is there, uh, which I've heard is new for the Saw franchise. Seesawed. They get seesawed a little bit. Yeah, well, when you asked me while we were watching it if they had ever done a kid before, I said no because what I meant was that they've never killed a kid in like and a I trap. I still have it. But but there yeah, but there has been a they kid who has been in, in peril. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen a kid in a trap the way that they were in this movie. Yeah. But kids have like been held hostage and And then as you can imagine because this is a certainly a prequel more than it's like a midquel they just chucked it between a couple movies but yeah, talk about mid. Uh John Kramer lives because there had to be a few more saw movies before he died at least. How old more. is that actor now? He's like is 81. Yeah. No. Interesting. He, I will say, I want to give this movie like a huge amount of genuine credit for being a very high-profile, decently budgeted release that primarily stars a fairly old man. Yeah. And he's like given like character depth, and he's given like stuff to do, and he's like reasonable depth. Act. Well, I mean, like yeah, you get what I mean. I like, know what you like, mean. He's given emotions to show, and yeah. he like does it like. It's cool to get like a decent like sized release where yeah. that's the primary focus. I feel like we don't get a lot of those that aren't just like Tom Hanks in a man called Otto where he's just like a grumpy old man and then like family friendly hijinks ensue. Uh you still get like your old man vehicles. Yeah, but it's like 80% action movies. 
Yeah, it's like Clint Eastwood and the Mule, which is self-directed. Or I think I'm onto something. I here. don't know. Christo- Christopher Plummer and Remember. I mean, he's dead now, but um, there's still some old man vehicles that come out every once in a while. It's just unusual that it's a movie like Saw. Well, and I think it's intermittent, like kind of generally. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. I would agree with so that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, it really shows the amount of respect that has been built up around For this him. character yeah. and, and that actor. Well, that the studio rolled with it, too, because I'm sure they would have considered other ways of going about it purely from a money-making perspective and, like, an accessibility perspective. But I guess with this franchise, what you have to consider is... And this movie, I think, rightfully makes the call that, like, he is the draw. <laughs> like, the draw of this movie is you're going to see a fuck ton of Tobin Bell in it. I think more than anything, more than the promise of the traps and the gore and whatever is like, this is a movie about this guy. That's how they sell it. And that's more or less what you get. And I would imagine that's how they pitched it because they've really done everything else already. Yeah. They've had different bad guys. They've had different good guys. They've had him in varying degrees of uh, prominence throughout the movies. Um, but they just can't keep getting away from him. I mean, he keeps showing up in these movies because that's that's where the the heart of the story is, and well, so it and he's a fairly a iconic presence as well. Absolutely, like, like he's a very striking like face, um, which I think is cool. Um, I think I think I want to st- what me? You want to start with me? I think you guys should both go first. Interesting. I was about to pull the opposite card. Well, I'm so saying me? Sure. I, I went first last week. You can go. You can do it again. Sure, I'll go. <laughs> I'll go. I won't fight you. Twist but my first, arm. Firstly, I just want to say, you guys don't like your, your iced teas? It just has a bit of a... There's just something about it. I feel like it's evolved nicely now that it's sat there. You should try it again. But I certainly appreciate you making it. So me. do I. I, I appreciate the thought and the effort, though I did freely admit before arriving that I was not really an iced tea gal. Mm. Uh, Has it evolved? No. It tastes a bit different, that's for sure. <laughs> it's devolved. It's devolved. Um, but speak- it's digivolved. Speaking I'm drinking of, pixels. Bro. Speaking of things that have the possibility to evolve, evolve and, 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 and grow on you. I liked Saw 10 a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um, you're getting a picture of me disappointed with the iced tea? <laughs> no, I, it was just the iced tea to document uh, for future reference. Well, or are you getting a picture of me disappointed with the iced tea? So last time I make iced tea. Um, yeah, no, I really like this movie. There's a lot to like at it. I think Corey's characterization of it earlier saying that it's... Um, more of like a character driven vehicle than you think it's going to be is really a breath of fresh air, especially like how do you breathe life into a franchise that is in its 10th installment, right? Like how do you make something that feels uh, fresh? And I think that they, like I haven't seen a lot of the other ones, but this film certainly felt fresh and it felt different to sort of focus on, on like the medical issues of your I don't know whether to call him a protagonist or an antagonist. He's the protagonist of this um, movie, I think. Yeah, I, I, I unquestionably, guess. he's I the guess. protagonist. Yeah, he's your protagonist, but... Don't Breathe too. should just bring up as a oh my God. an older man lead. Also an anti-hero just popped into my head. Yeah, good yeah well, the difference is that movie fucking sucks. Is that the difference? 
Yeah, I think so. I didn't like. I have like objections to making "Don't Breathe" too. They made nine other Saw movies. I wasn't going to stop them from doing that, was I? Well, another thing that I like about the movie is that it, it's refreshingly funny. Like, I wasn't expecting to laugh as much as I did throughout the movie, and I think that some of the humor is like you laugh because you're um, uncomfortable. You laugh at like how grotesque the situation is. Um, but some of the stuff is also like genuinely funny. Like I think the scene with the intestines had me like that scene sent me where, where, um, yeah, describe it. Our, 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 <laughs> our, our villains, our villains are trying <laughs> desperately to escape and they need a rope, my kingdom for a rope. And <laughs> they slice into their dead compatriots, uh, abdomen and yank out, their intestines and it looks like there's just like one big sausage link that they pull out and it's like squelching and, and it's disgusting and she's pretty much doing like the lasso thing in in the saw torture room trying to get her phone back and she's able to do it with the intestines but it turns out that it's actually all part of jigsaw's grotesque plan but uh, yeah, jigsaw can like see the future and know that they're gonna like intestine lasso a yeah the cart I guess so. This is gonna find a way to get to that phone. They left that there, um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's very funny, in in lots of places. Like I think it's a good movie to watch with a group. Um, it's an exhilarating watch in a lot of ways, in the sense that it really likes to push the envelope and just show you like really disgusting stuff, <laughs> and then balance it out with with a good level of like humor and cynicism. Um, Our theater enjoyed it quite a bit. I think so. It was a very empty theater, but it was. But it was like ready re- enough. It like was lively. People it was were lively. Down. So I'm super down with this movie. I know that we all probably have a lot to say. I still do, but I'm just gonna leave it there and then hear your initial thoughts. Little me. Yeah. Eh. No, could you imagine if I was just like? I mean, you hey, probably yo, could imagine. I've fuck before. this movie. <laughs> like, I'm just nodding. Like, yeah, I could. I could absolutely imagine. Very easy to imagine. In fact. I, I would have guessed that that's, that's what you would do with this movie. That you thought I didn't like it? Why did you think that? I'm almost more interested in this than my actual thoughts on the movie. Two-pronged. Okay. One, because of how I feel about it. And two, hmm. because you didn't give it a little heart on Letterboxd, and I know you operate under a binary. Right, but I don't rate movies that we're doing on the podcast before we talk about them. Secrecy, nice. Secrecy packed. Um, so, so let me start off by asking you this: After this episode is published, would you like this movie? Give it a little heart. I think so. Yeah. I uh, I do like this movie. Um, it's been really interesting reading people who know the Saw movies write about it. Because clearly, like, there's a lot that you can get into or, like, latch onto that works well connected throughout the rest of the franchise. But I think taking this movie entirely in isolation is really interesting. Mm -hmm. You're missing a bit of the depth of, like, seeing John Kramer be this, like, fucked up Jigsaw man. But then, like, taking his point of view so directly and like operating from that perspective and every horror franchise ultimately has the villain become the protagonist. If you do enough movies, 
like even if they're not specifically but the movies all just become about like jason or freddy or whatever like they're not about the people in them anymore uh i think this is an example of that but done in a very interesting way where it's like deeply deeply humanized and felt and like john kramer is earnestly wronged Mm. like in a very severe and inhuman way yeah like this is the closest you could get to justifiably jigsaw trapping people is like the stakes are definitely there like it's it's um yeah it's really well like if this were a death wish movie you would be like yeah charles bronson kill all these guys they said they cured your cancer um and they didn't and so i think what's fascinating is a how patient the movie is with that narrative buildup of like we're going through the pains of like we're sitting in a cancer support group and like all these people look ill and like nobody is having a good time. He looks like frail mm-hmm. when he has that meeting with that dude who's buying a scone before he finds out about the dream. Like he looks like death's doorstep and um, you keep reaching for the mic. I want you to go. You got something you want to no, say? No, no, I just I want you to. I will try to log it all. I okay. Want, I want you to finish your thoughts. And I think that part of me would be interested in watching the version of this movie where he go he's like struggling is brought this opportunity goes gets treatment gets a new lease on life and just enjoys it like all the performances were enough for me to just be like what if this was just like the story of a guy facing like the cold harsh reality of the medical system brought an alternative and like able to thrive yeah. I and found I'm, myself almost more interested in the non-saw parts, parts of the film. 100%. I agree. I, I was completely. Yeah. Because I would actually, and I'll get, I'll, I'll leave that there for now because I've established that I liked that a lot. I actually think that the saw elements of this film, because the franchise exists purely in my head as people have described it to me, kind of underwhelmed me. Like, there's some gross stuff in here for sure, but it's like... In particular, the, the, uh, the, what, is it the leg one or the brain one where it's like that mix of red and white goop falling into, that's the leg one where she has to transfer her bone marrow. That is disgusting. But I will say like, just watching a lady chop her leg off before that, like it's, that's not that gnarly. Like breaking a guy's fingers isn't that gnarly. Like I was a... It felt relatively tame. It's filmed in such a way that's like, I think, meant to be like startling. It's not even like that startling. Like, I don't know if I've just like... The sound, I think, is intense. I don't know if I've just grown up a bit. Maybe. <laughs> and like... I had I was kind of jumpy. I was a little jumpy. So, no, some of it... Like, I yeah. definitely reacted to some of it. Like, some of it's disgusting. Yeah. But I was a little... I was expecting more. It wasn't that... Like, it was by no means like gut churningly gross like i would sooner watch this than like purely on like a grossness factor but like the evil dead remake is way fucking grosser than this movie Mm -hmm. is like and i just thought that was kind of interesting um i think the movie gets a little bit lost for me when you start introducing everybody around the last third and you start getting a lot of like inter-character dynamics of like the two bad guys now and then they bring in the kid and Amanda's there and she's got her feelings and Jigsaw's doing Jigsaw stuff and like Jigsaw's apparently omnipresent as well and like can predict your moves before you make them 
I don't fully understand that element of it. I don't know how he's able to do that. And I feel like when you ground the movie initially so deeply in this, like, senior citizen's medical trauma, that then for him to be, like, omnipotent Jigsaw Man is a little bit odd. I agree. Um, And you get a bit of dissonance uh, when you're dealing with like, we've just put a kid on the end of a seesaw with an old man where they got dumped in blood back and forth for 10 minutes. And then they just like walk away at the end and the kid gets a big bag of money and he's happy about it. And it's like, so like, I feel like it gets a little, a little confused as it, as it trails off. Mm-hmm. But um, overall, I think it's like a genuinely interesting, like character study with some goofy saw stuff in it. Yeah, I think the like all that you're saying about like about it being the Sasta feeling underwhelming is true, and they build up to the to all of that action quite nicely. I think as well. Like, um, I think the scene of them or the scenes of um, you know uh, Kramer and his accomplice abducting the people who wronged him after the surgery is all very compelling and like interestingly shot. Like, I think the stuff in that modernist house that our, our main villain lives in is really, yeah, that was uh, fun. Is really and, well like, photographed with the security cameras. Oh and stuff. yeah. 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 I like, I, I really enjoyed There's that another part. movie we did on the show that does something like that really well. And I can't remember for the life of me what it was. I don't know. But. Lots, of, lots of good surveillance films, but yeah, like, and, and also the, the bit in the bathroom with the mace where, um, the girl who, right. who's the maid is is like maced in the face. Like all that that Basement. stuff almost feels like it comes from a different movie. Like the the film walks a lot of different lines. I, I think maybe that's like the the police procedural roots showing from the the other films because it feels a bit more like that or like a thriller. Um, and then finally, once you're there for like the gross out fest, it just feels. Um, like a bit too, a bit too rich, a bit too much, a it's bit like a, a bit like a bit like having your steak too rare. Um, I don't know. It's it's not for me. Uh, like all of that, but I think that it still works as an effective like thriller and horror film. But I'm just less interested in all of that. I can't believe you said that to Liam. Like he's not a vegetarian. That's offensive. It's <laughs> my joke for that. Um, yeah, I agree that I feel like um, the different tracks that the movie takes have like different strengths, and I think it's at its most interesting when it's dealing like with its themes through its characters. Mm-hmm. Where like I think the interesting element here, in a vacuum at least, separate from the other soft films, is like this guy who has a very specific conviction to his moral code. However he enforces it which mm-hmm. is obviously like going uh striking again Dennis the Menace mode which maybe he shouldn't be doing um but like institutions and other people wronging him and like the the fallout from that and like grappling with how to react is like very compelling and then he just happens to be jigsaw yeah um and then, like, how matter-of-factly all that stuff is treated and how directly human it is. Like, he's very present, which I find, which I wasn't anticipating. Again, I was expecting more Billy Jigsaw to just sort mm-hmm. of, like, pop in and do whatever bit he wanted to do. Um, when you say Billy Jigsaw, do you mean the puppet? I do. But I just think it's funnier to call him Billy Jigsaw. That's all that is. 
There he is. There's Billy Jigsaw right there in the movie Bullet with his big funny glasses. Just wait. The camera will cut back and you're going to see a guy with some incredible The shade. most ridiculous glasses I've ever seen. <laughs> but um, I want to let Liam get in here. So interestingly enough, I agree with so much of what you guys have said. And I came away from the movie not liking it. And mm. I... W- in, in thinking about it over the last couple of days... <clears throat> Getting choked I'm gonna co- I'll come out it from a different angle or a couple different angles one is I want to talk a bit about this phenomenon that I've noticed in myself of <clears throat> my expectations when I see a movie in a theater I've noticed that when I see a movie in a theater I tend to expect it to be far greater than I would ever expect if I saw a movie at home interesting so why do you think that is I I think it's like just the scale, the, the, the sound, the, the scale. scale of it, the sound, and even the, the ritual, and even a part of, of like the whole. This should be an ideal viewing experience that'll make me like a movie more. Apart from that, I guess I just have it in my head that if they are asking me to come out of my house and pay money for this movie, and it's a it's a big present thing where they've. Uh, ostensibly they're going to have learned from every other movie that's ever existed and now they're <laughs> putting this movie out in front of millions of people yeah it must is, be this awesome. is the next newest movie that's ever been made <laughs> yeah. and Dude. it relies on all the knowledge of every other movie that's ever been. do you think the communal aspect of seeing a film also gives you that that feeling as well seeing it with other people that will that will often make me have a better time at the movies yeah um can i actually jump in here to just say a quick thought on that I like going to the theater when as few people are there as humanly possible hmm. for I think similar reasons of ideal viewing experience, but my ideal viewing experience cuts down on the amount of potential people who are going to talk or be on their fucking phone because etiquette has gone completely in the goddamn toilet. Um, That's true. Yeah. I think it I'll depends off, what I'll movie you go my, see. I dis I have had it happen in every single kind of movie. That's true. Without fail. Well, there were there was three different people using their phones for like twenty minutes of past lives, huh? Yeah, and I've like I've seen it in horror movies, I've seen it in dramas. There are people on their phones and fucking stop making sense. Turn your fucking phone off. I've never seen it. Like I don't see it if I go to like a small ind- independent cinema, but I do see it a lot at like at cineplexes and stuff. I've I've I everywhere. Right. It's unavoidable. I fucking hate it, but. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love seeing movies in theaters for either the communal aspect or I like seeing movies when I'm the only one in the theater as well. Um, but I think it, this thing that I have in my head is sort of separate from that where it's just like, I sort of think if a movie is new and on a big screen, it must be really good. And I would be curious to hear from any listeners if they, if they also think this way. Um, like, so... So what I mean by that is if I didn't see this movie while it was in theaters and then I caught it at home, as I did with all the other Saw movies, I think it it could be the exact same movie and I would be more forgiving of it. So you just find your expectations were higher? Yeah. Unfairly? I think so. You would say? I think so. I've said similar things on this show. I think it is underrated how the context with which you approach a movie influences how you feel about it. Like I've said on this show, I watched a movie in a bad mood and I guarantee you I liked it less because it did not win me over through that bad mood. And this feels like an adjacent sort of phenomenon mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, it could be. 
And the other thing I want to say, the other angle I want to come at this from, is that... He didn't sound enough like Batman, I agree. <laughs> um, so I'm saying maybe my expectations were too high. The other thing that I'm sort of befuddled by is it seems like maybe a lot of other people had high expectations for this movie. And to me, it seems like it met those high expectations because it's a new movie. And by that, what I mean is I think this movie is about as good as most of the other Saw movies that were all pretty critically derided and pushed aside. And that doesn't seem to be happening for this movie. And that is confusing me greatly. Because a lot of what you guys are saying about why you like this movie um, is in other Saw movies. Like, this movie... And so I think why I'm coming away from this movie not super hot on it is because I feel like I've seen most of this stuff before and I'm kind of tired of it. Like, I've seen... Like, which element? The uh, critique of... um, Like, the the examination of John Kramer trying to get medical assistance and being bitter that he he can't get... um, So he's been sick and dying the whole time. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He has. Is it... Do you feel that that in this one he is more wronged by the people he's killing, and that there's more of um, like an adversarial relationship between Jigsaw and his victim? That's a good question. I do feel that way, um, and I, I but think that doesn't necessarily make it better. I guess. Well, here's the thing. I think, and I think that is interesting because this is a very personal story for John Kramer, but. Uh, what I think has been done before is that these people are no worse than plenty of other people who are put in traps in Saw movies because his MO, at least for the the first half of the Saw movies before uh, other people started taking over for him, is that he is putting people in traps who, who deserve it, who are, who are abusive to their wives or who are drunk drivers. Mm-hmm. And that's why he is punishing them. So in that way, this doesn't feel all that different in that I'm used to seeing reprehensible people being put into traps. I guess the hook here is that in this case, he has been personally wronged by it. And this is a um, a, a personal yeah. story of his. That's a lot of the praise that I've seen in terms of the narrative element is the hyper focus on like Tobin Bell's character and the character work and the the emphasis on that is what I saw most of getting, like, lauded. I don't think I read a single review that lauded the violent part. <laughs> it was mostly that. Interesting. I yeah. think the, the violent part is just, like, a, a means to an end. or It's a chance to do some bits. Yeah. Um, and what I'll say about the violent parts is that I think some are more effective than others. I think some are a really big letdown. For example, the first kill in the movie that ends up being a daydream. I think that's, that's dumb. I, that's, Dude, that's, that's where I've, that's where I've settled that that was a daydream, right? It's, yes, it's so forced. Yeah. It doesn't need to be there. Well, and also it's frustrating that they're using it for the poster. And I don't mean to keep jumping into why you're trying to talk, but like that was my first saw kill that I saw in a movie. And I was literally saying they're like, what the fuck? I was like, this is fucking stupid. Like, me, it, to like, me, it felt like a parody it of Zaw like Traps. Because it's like, 
I, I, I love put the, vacuum tubes on your eyes, I, dude. I, to be honest, I love that imagery. I think it's great that they used it for the poster. When the scene started, I was surprised that we're getting it so early, but I was excited to see what happens because it's such a cool image. And then it felt like a parody saw trap because we have this super elaborate device hooked up where we've got tubes crisscrossing out of his eyes and he's got things on his hands. So I don't know where the violence is coming from. And the violence is just that his fingers are being snapped snap by fingers, one by bro. one. Dude, I've seen that happen in like a, a PG bully film. I've seen that happen in real life. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. And so the fact that uh, he's like not able to fight through it and then his eyeballs get sucked out in, in uh, computer generated fashion. And I guess it's sort of, it ends up not mattering because it's a daydream and so it doesn't need to have But it feels ham-fisted just put the bit there. For oh, sure. Oh, we yeah, definitely. Early saw a bit. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's just the, that old idea of, you know, putting in something that is, like, salacious or risky in, like, the first 15 minutes of your movie. To you gotta hook your audience or else yeah. they're just gonna get bored. It's the old Friedkin logic of murdering someone within the first 15 minutes and then you'll have them hooked for the next 15 yeah, so that didn't it didn't hook me at all. It really put a bad taste in my mouth that first trap. Um, but where I do want to come down on this is that I would love to watch this movie again, and I'm sure I will. I'll, I'll pick this movie up when it comes out. And by the end of the movie, um, I found myself much more drawn to the camp of this film than I was earlier in the movie because I didn't know I didn't think that it was going for camp because I think a lot of the Saw movies don't go for camp and um, so when those hints were happening like I think a lot of this acting particularly from uh, um, Cecilia and Amanda those two characters I think is really bad I've never really liked the Amanda character or or the what that actress is doing which is a shame because I love her in the blob but I think in this in these movies, I just don't think she gets much to do, and all her dialogue just feels so stilted. Um, and so when Cecilia gets revealed, uh, well, when she gets the the upper hand, and her her boyfriend comes in, it's like so mustache twirly. It's, um, it's nonsensical. Yeah. Very bit. nonsensical. Like, you're sort of making me realize how much of what I said I liked is the first, like, 30 minutes. Because, uh. like, the conclusion is truly nonsense. Like... How did they have the foresight to do a gotcha to him in the first place? And how did he plan to gotcha them back? Like well, it's, it's goofy. It's, it's as elaborate and like overwritten as a saw trap itself, like, in a way. Yeah, because that's another thing that that also ended up uh, disappointing me. Just because I've seen it so many times. When it's revealed that oh, Jigsaw foresaw all this happening, he planned it out. How? That happens in almost every single That's one. That's annoying. Where this it's dude, he just, he's he's all-knowing. Um, and I think this movie in particular, that really bummed me out because so much of the movie is really humanizing this guy, who I think has, has been humanized before, but um, they're really dwelling on it here. And so then to just do that old Saw trick where he's been uh, one step ahead really bummed me out. But... By the time the movie ended, um, and I thought a bit about it in these really campy details, like when they're getting the blood poured on them, and like the <laughs> boyfriend says something like, uh, or maybe it was Cecilia, one of the two, because they're both being equally as mustache twirly. One of them is like, 
I've heard of waterboarding, but this is bloodboarding. <laughs> they Which do just say that. A lot of the lines are just fucking goofy like yeah. that. Yeah. The movie does take that's a what, hard tonal pivot. And that's why I was saying that I, I found the movie funny and I, I can't always tell if it's like deliberate, but there is that stilted quality that is like, what? Did they seriously fucking say that? And I think the, it's at the franchise. It's at the franchise now <laughs> where I think that like they they it's 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 the tenth one. These they know happen. what they're doing with this goofy shit, and it, it <laughs> lands fairly well with a theater audience like ours. Because I feel like the two, the, the uh, rest of the rest of the film has you so on the the edge of your seat with all like the the anticipation of something awful. I wouldn't the, go. I wouldn't go edge of your seat. Yeah, I'm sorry, but you're you're kind of coiled and ready to go because it's they're just throwing all this awful shit at you and you're just waiting to be grossed out that when these goofy lines kind of sprinkle in they hit just right in a way that that kind of uh like makes you like chuckle or it like diffuses like uh some of the drama a bit it's a, it's a welcome relief i think yeah the only thing i was going to add in, in rebuttal i suppose was like i don't think the movie's particularly tense I don't think it does a particularly good job like building the tension. I think the tension is is um, I don't think it's like well built necessarily. I think it's a base kind of tension, a, t- a fear of just seeing something fucking disgusting. Yeah, but it's really weird juxtaposing that with like a little fucking guy in a tricycle rides out. Yeah, and like has a fucking tray that he's pulling in a trailer, and like he's gonna bring you your like death ray. Like it, it's really weird. Like it's it's striking. It's less than it's striking a balance, and it's more that it's juggling, like, or it's, like, spinning four different stacks of plates on sticks, and some of them just sort of hit the ground as you're going, but you, you, you kind of forgive that a little bit, but I am sort of reckoning with, like, I do think that opening character work is really effective. The deeper we get into it, and also with, like, the qualms that Amanda is having about it, and, like, her apprenticeship to John. And, like, how she's learning to, like, take over the family business and has to, like, buck up for the tough stuff is, like, really hammy and kind of odd. Um, I also think she looks a little bit... I know that this is just the passage of time, but because they set this so early in the franchise, it's, like, a little odd. Like, it seems as though she should be better prepared than she is. I didn't like her performance. I don't think she's great. Yeah. I don't um, think, I think... I think that the script is really off for her. And I just I'm gonna talk myself out of liking this. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like her performance. If I do my work, <laughs> no. But well, what I'm actually trying to land at is that I think I like this movie more than I thought I did. Oh, okay. But I'm I'm trying to explain that by saying that like <laughs> this is this I think this movie is a real mixed bag. Um, what and what is so off-putting to me? What was was so off-putting to me? I think is that the first thirty minutes that you're talking about liking so much, Corey, is so character-based and slow and uh, pretty serious seeming. And yes. I, I like that. And then when we get into the traps, which don't need to be goofy, I've seen in other Saw movies where they're played dead straight. But I think in in this movie, they do feel a lot. Uh, goofier even though they are pretty uh, some are goofier than others but even though like cinematic style around them like it's like sped up footage and like really sharp angles and like the camera's spinning around and it's like it's very 
silly. I think the sound design in itself, or with the traps too, is also that way. Yeah. I think well, the sound is what was making me. Um, it reveals them like you just unlocked a new stage in a video game. Yeah. Like it's very bizarre. And like it, it spins 360 around everything. It's like, whoa, she's in a fucking big chair with like a with like a wire blade. I don't know. I agree that it's like weirdly uh camp and goofy and uh, frankly like the element of this this saw movie i'm most disappointed in is the most like saw unique element of it which is the traps the traps are so whatever the, some of them are conceptually interesting and like i think the the, 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 the gore effects are the, good. the brain one is the dumbest i think the uh, brain one and the heat gun are competing for like weirdest gimmick. I think the heat gun one works a bit better. It's cool. It's grosser. It feels like like a jungle yes. run game. Yeah. Uh, if your life was at stake. Yeah. I um, think the, the leg one is dumb. I think the, the bone marrow leg one. Yeah. Well, just so much of like I think the bone marrow part is like really gross, like genuinely gross. But like the fact that like the part where she's just like really vigorously yeah. sawing her own leg off is like you just sort of like laughing like okay, what the fuck like. But it the, looks really silly to just have her go like. Ah! <laughs> like there is something I, that I like about that that particular kill and having it first because something with the saw movies is that um there is like a stagey quality to them almost uh once like the murders are actually happening or at least in, in the case of this film there's like a stagey a stagey quality right and so you have this like death that results in a ridiculous conclusion she almost makes it but just not enough marrow and she's sawn off her leg and then the wire like garrots her head off and and it happens in rapid succession and there's something absurdly grotesque and kind of comical about the the way that it happens and everyone's just standing there like holy fuck and then her body is there in like center stage essentially for like the next little bit and i think that dramatically um the aftermath of that particular trap is very successful um particularly in terms of stuff like blocking and um, just having the rest of the drama kind of congregate around her torso and limbs. <laughs> There's something humorous about that, and I think it's played for, for laughs, like this this blackly um, comedic thing that works. It does become very blackly comedic, and that is what confused me because... The first 30 minutes was kind of, I guess, the movie I was expecting when I'm going into this Saw movie thinking it's going to break new ground and be uh, be the best one because it's in, it's in theaters. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then it ends up uh, being very campy and I think kind of at times sloppily put together. Like, I thought the way that a lot of these torture scenes were edited took away a lot of the impact and so then i just came out thinking well i actually think that that the first 30 minutes uh was kind of unnecessary because it doesn't feel like they followed it through all the way to the end because so much of the dialogue is so corny and stuff that i've heard before and so i ended up being uh 
disappointed that they were trying to do both things. And then by the time the movie completely ended and the camp was just so thick, like the child being bloodboarded and then getting <laughs> being given a duffel bag of money and, and also, just beaming. Gracias. The, first of all, I do want to say I and I, I I don't just throw this out there to be like, oh, we have to throw this out there, but like um, feels like a fairly insensitive like depiction of some of the mexican people in this movie i think that's true it's like it's literally like a guy in a field with a cowboy hat and his son that loves soccer and can only say gracias and then john kramer learns exactly one spanish phrase which is don't pull and then that's the one thing he needs to know how to say and then he says it later and um I will say it is funny that uh, this boy is so pure of heart that he's willing to get bloodboarded for a guy he just met for no reason. Like, kids being raised right, he, uh, you'll get blood. These kids won't bloodboard themselves for anybody these days. They're too busy on TikTok. But this kid will get Carlos will get fucking bloodboarded, dude. But um, yeah, it does feel clunky, uh, and just sort of nonsensical. Like the introduction of him at the end feels very like. It's not deus ex machina. That's not how the trope works, but it's very just like, eh, we need to chuck a variable in here at the end. We're soccer kid. Um, yeah. And in a way that is a bit disappointing. It just seemed so at odds with the realism that was established in the first 30 minutes. Um, and so that's what kind of confused me as to thinking, like, why is this movie being praised so much? Because it seems equally as ridiculous and yet equally as willing to flirt with serious ideas it as doesn't the other do the saw, saw movies sorry i'm going to cut you off it doesn't do the saw stuff very well i guess is what you're saying in a lot of ways i guess i yeah. mean i think it, it i think it does the saw stuff about as well as as most of the other ones mm-hmm. which is just like uh you get a little bit of social commentary and you get to have fun with some traps um but that's about it. I think most of the Saw movies, to me, add up to be like six, seven out of ten movies. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that's that I would probably that's where this one ended up landing is like a six out of ten. Yeah, this one's probably like a seven, seven point five. Maybe I, I'd say it's probably seven. Yeah. yeah, and I would like to watch it again um, because I really I'm thinking about some of the fun stuff that happened. And while I didn't think it was all that fun at the time, just because I was so tonally confused that this was seemed to be positing itself to be uh, a somber realistic uh serious examination of the tobin bell character and then it just ended up being so hammy at the end um i wonder if the tobin bell stuff being so strong in the first third is just carrying a lot of the critical reception i think it i think i would say it is he's yeah. quite good in fairness to him as well, like I think he's doing yeah. good stuff in this movie. The 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 Mrs. Doctor Peterson, I forget what her first Cecilia. name is, Cecilia Peterson. I think that she turns in a really wonderful performance. Uh, in in the first half, I feel like there's this magnetism. Um, yeah, she's a, she's a very like welcoming. And she, she's glowing, right? And it's 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 she's. I think she's fabulous. And it does make the mustache twirl hit pretty well later. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that having that switch with her actually being like the, the slow down person when she exudes this, um, this like formidable medical persona is 
is a really good switch. And I think that she, she's extremely compelling as a villain in the first little bit. I, th- I think that she trails off. She trails off a bit, but I, I, th- I think that part of that is just like self-preservation. But um, she's really interesting and good. And I, I think that she's one of the better parts of this movie. I uh, I liked her before the turn, all right. Um, I don't think she actually had that much to do before the turn, but I think when she does the grand reveal, which sort of feels like it's uh, once Ghostface k- takes off the mask in, in the Scream movies, I think it actually it had experienced the same problems that some of those Scream villains have, where it just became so... Uh, so big and so direct so direct and so like incongruous with the person that we've seen beforehand and sometimes that's very effective where it's like okay now this person is revealing their true self yeah i think scream movies have done a better job of leveraging it as almost like a psychotic break and just like this person's just fucking losing it like it's like they're just done like they've reached their upper limit and like things are not going well, and they've like broken. Whereas this doesn't feel like that. No, to me, it, it just feels like she has just assumed the role of a super a villain, big evil super villain. Um, so I didn't like that. And I think when her boyfriend shows up, they just feed off each other in a, <laughs> a terrible, like a toxic. I know s- you're going super, to kill him. Yeah, like all their lines together, I thought were just so so over the top and like when they do that really like messy kiss right at the beginning it just it felt so so unrealistic to me what Um, you don't want to tongue punch your boyfriend in the saw room were you i don't mean to i don't mean to derail the the thought on her performance but were you guys surprised that the the surgery didn't go as planned like it's in the trailer so no i didn't see the trailer i did i did it work to cut the audio they Uh. make that clear like in the trailer that like he's doing mm. it as vengeance because he's been wronged by the medical system. Uh. So no, <laughs> I was surprised. I was too. I thought that that was a really good twist. Yeah, I like that. I liked that twist a lot too because I was wondering in the first thirty minutes how are we gonna get to the to the the saw of it all? Mm-hmm. How who's gonna be in traps? What's gonna happen there? Um, and I so I I really liked it. Um, mm-hmm. I guess my issue is that after that reveal happens. It still, f- it then felt very similar to other Saw movies yeah. where it's like, I've put bad people in traps. I feel like I have moral superiority over them. They need to prove themselves. We've seen all that stuff before. Yeah. The, the limited social commentary kind of at play here about like the w- medicine and public opinion about medicine, especially like I think in a post COVID world is kind of interesting, right? There's all these, these grifters and hucksters out there that are that are peddling all kinds of cures to different things and alternate facts surrounding medicine and also i think in a post-covid world it revealed like a lot of the more cumbersome things about our medical system right uh so i think that the the social commentary that's going on here while it's fairly shallow is definitely timely um and it, I don't think that it necessarily engages with all that in a super meaningful way, but it is interesting, um, and I think a product of its time, and, and I think it's like a considered script, uh, given everything else that's going on. 
That's a really good point. I, I agree with you. I like that the Saw movies lace in that bit of social commentary. Um, they've done it in, in a number of movies for a number of different topics, and I think it's uh, you don't need to take it all the way because it is supposed to just be a, really a popcorn, gross-out horror movie at the end of the day. And so that's what I'm reckoning with right now is that once this ended, I realized it is just pretty much just a gross-out popcorn movie. And uh, I think I will like it more on repeat viewings, knowing that that's what I'm getting into. Whereas the first 30 minutes led me to believe that I was going to get something different. It set a different bar. Something they were reaching for more than what they... It's like they're reaching for the top shelf and they only really go to like the middle one. Sure, yeah. Their yeah. arms are not long enough to box God. Yeah. They keep bringing that back. It just keeps coming up. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. I think that I still agree that I generally liked it, but I do want to underscore that I agree with describing it as a mixed bag. Yeah, I would I sort I would, of undersold that earlier, but evidently through the wash a uh, bit of a mm-hmm. I think I maybe sound a bit more hot on it than I am too. In a way like I was Liam thinks he's done something. No, here. I wasn't. Yeah, let he, him cook. He thinks he's wringing he, my hands. Bro thinks he's cooked something. Bro thinks he's now gonna, just wait till the mutilator talk. I'll convince you guys. No, yeah. You will no. not. No, no, you you won't. But I think um, fall break. <laughs> fall break. Make my point for me. Why don't you? <laughs> Fucking banger. <laughs> Write a song half as good as that, and then we can talk, dude. The, maybe the meanest thing I've ever said for a bit is saying that you haven't I'll, written a dude, song I'll, as good as Paul Break. <laughs> I take it. I agree <laughs> with you. I don't. I don't agree with me. I think Saw should have had the Fall Break song in it. Yeah, it'd be a real palate cleanser. Last, actually, can I can I propose one last thing to hit on before we were done? Yeah. Why did they use the title card twice? Yeah, I, mean, I didn't even really notice that. Joe, it I happens once at the hard. beginning and once at the end, and both times oh. it feels equally out of place. Yeah, that's right. They do do that. They huh? do it like they walk out into like golden heavenly sunlight with Carlos in his bag full of money, and then they hit us with saw. X. And it's just such a silly title too, right? Like if if it was just saw, that would be fine. But saw X feels so clinical. It also just looks like it says Sauks. Sauks. Yeah. So when that when that title card hits at the beginning, that was my first sign that there's maybe there's actually camp in this movie. Um, and then when it hit again at the very end, I had to admit to myself that this movie is very campy. So I had a roller coaster ride with this movie. And though I came away thinking that I didn't really like I didn't like the sum of its parts. Um, I do like some things in it, and I have a suspicion that in the future I will like the sum of its parts more than I do right now. That's fair. Well, nice. That's what I call getting uh, jiggy with it. No Genero today. We, uh, our next episode will be about VHS 85. It'll be very I'm special. No, which I'm no longer sure that's the name of it anymore. That's all right. I just want to keep saying different years at the end of VHS and one of them is going to stick. But, um, it will be a special episode. You'll see why. Um, you'll hear why. You'll he- well, yeah. You you'll might hear. even see why too if you follow us on social. You should follow us on Instagram to see why, and you should rate our show. Well, we'll, we'll you're there. listening. 
but uh so that'll be next and then um maybe a little something special in there as well and then exorcist also on deck so things to look forward to things to look forward to mitch uh you know what i'm gonna ask and you know what he's gonna do Do a kickflip. You know, normally we say don't do visual gags because we're an audio podcast, but like Liam and I can't even see what he's doing. You're using a variety of objects as if it isn't going to just make the same thud, thudding sound for the, for the listeners. Though I guess maybe a Foley artist would argue that these sounds are very different. Yeah, but you know. Just creating art. We don't have a Foley artist here, so it's our loss. Liam, do you have anything you'd like to plug? I have a film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, uh, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. You can see an accurate rating of The Mutilator on there. I also have... You can see a years out of date rating of The Mutilator on there. Let's like get, What if you watch it again you think it's it's booty ass? Like, let's not get carried away. If I feel that way, I'll tell you. Yeah, but like... Well, I'm just saying, I, I don't want you to embarrass yourself by saying accurate. And then, what if it's not? I see what You're you too mean. Proud. I, I see. No, I see. I'm defending. I'm helping protect you. I see what you mean, but then what am I supposed to say? That any opinion I have on a movie that isn't a year or more recent, you shouldn't listen to at all. It's not that you should I listen trust to it. Myself. It just might not be how you feel right now. Oh, I feel it right now. I'm feeling it in my in my fucking veins. I watched a mutilator recap video <laughs> earlier today. I watched the mutilator video Slaps. on Cinema Sins, bro. <laughs> I watched the Cinema Sins of Mutilator. <laughs> I bet you guys would like that, you fucking skunks. No, the Cinema Sins guy can like jump in a lake. That sounds, that sounds kind of fun. I feel like you could have been meaner <laughs> about that. Imagine there's a saw trap. You have three minutes to jump in the lake, <laughs> or you will die. <laughs> and they're just like shaking on the dog. Well, they can't uh, swim. I, in I don't want to jump on this. Lake. It looks so cold. <laughs> Uh, I also have a Weezer podcast called In the Weeds with Weezer, the little bitches podcast on Spotify and YouTube. What are you guys up to? Uh, still just the uh, fourth album, ah, okay. the most recent one. I'll let you know when something changes. And I have a band called Guest Room Status that was not featured in The Mutilator, but maybe there's still time to get featured in The Mutilator too. That would be maybe, sick. What if we could cover Fall Break and then use it? <laughs> Dude, you should cover Fall Break and play it at the Halloween show. That's a good idea. How hard would it be to learn? That's a good idea. It's not that complicated of a song. All the best songs aren't. Big four chords. Um, I don't know how to play any instruments. I can't help Liam with that. But uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Blue Sky, which I don't really use anymore, but Twitter keeps getting worse by the second. So, You okay? What's Blue Sky? It's like a Twitter alternative. Oh. You have one of those? I just keep forgetting to mention it, but yeah, I've like barely used it, but I got in. Oh. You have to get a code to get in. What does that mean? Like a like, like an only in, some people like are an allowed invite. on? Yeah, because the website was in beta when Twitter started falling apart, so they didn't just let in anybody because like, it didn't have the infrastructure to like withstand that many users. So they're like giving out invitations more slowly, which is a bad system. I think they should have just like taken it, and they would have got way more of an influx of users. Um earlier on when Twitter started making a bunch of stupid changes for no reason. But that's neither here nor there. You can follow me on at 
that website at a pastel heart. Um, and I'm on Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. If you go to mortalcombatconquest.ca, you can see a whole bunch of other podcasts, including MK Podquest, which I do with our friend Neil, which has a variety of things in the pipeline before we wrap that show up to uh, check out. Neil, back me up on the mutilator here. I'm going to ask him if he's seen the mutilator right now. Or I'll ask him after I read the outro, and then I'll update. Is that fair? Thumbs up. Thank you all. Well, actually, hold on. Ooh. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of They Slayed Another One. <laughs> you can, you don't fucking frown. I do this bit every year. <laughs> that sounded like Soldier Boy, that part. Which part? You. <laughs> Drake. <laughs> Whatever, that's what I get for trying to have fun at Halloween. You guys you guys you guys hate fun, dude. Uh you can find us on uh Instagram at They Made Another, which is all one word. Uh and on Letterboxd at TMAO. Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, all your services, they made another one. Rate us, review us five stars, share us with your friends, show an episode to your mom or your dad, maybe. Prefer- we're, preferably your mom. We're dad approved though. Dave listener Dave, his dad, big fan. Heard a few episodes. Liked it. So one dad likes it. That's huge. Maybe your dad will That's like huge. it. Yeah, show us to your dad. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Um, you can reach us via email, which your dad might still use, at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and your dad's favorite movie. <laughs> Our fantastic thumbnail art. What are your dad's favorite movies? Um, my dad, I know he likes... He's got like a penchant for like older stuff. He's a huge Columbo head, but I find that a lot of his like movie taste isn't 70s. It tends to be older. Mm-hmm. So I know he's like, like I'm thinking in the realm of like Maltese Falcon kind of so stuff. Like 1941. Yeah, like like 40s is his bag. Yeah. And he actually... He's a man a, after my own heart. He's a huge TCM fiend. So, so am I. Is this Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah, no, a Turner Classic Movies. That's always what I think when people say so, that. So, um... I, I don't know, like, what specifically is his favorite. We watched The Third Man a while ago. I never knew the old Vienna before the war. <laughs> Classic line, Classic dude. line. Um, what is your dad's favorite movie? I would say uh, My Cousin Vinny. Nice. What is your dad's favorite movie? Bob's favorite? Scaramouche. He he loves Field of Dreams. <laughs> nice. And I think uh, b- before Kevin Spacey was canceled... He loved The Usual Suspects. I'm not sure if he's seen it since. Right. That's fair. Yeah. So he's taken it seriously, the cancellation. Yes. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Bob's a progressive dude. Our fantastic nice. thumbnail are including our delightful Halloween They Slayed Another One remix is done uh, by our good friend Jade Dickinson. You can find it on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And with all that out of the way, a very special VHS viewing Next week, and they made another one. <laughs> <laughs>